Welcome. You are listening to The Spiritual Exercises. I'm Rachel Amaday. Thank you for being here. I'm doing a little special podcast this week, a little extra. I'm definitely going to get into my proof series once again this week and begin that, that to you tomorrow. But today I felt like it was really important to do a response to a couple of events that happened over the last week. Um, one is actually a commercial that happened during the Super Bowl. And then I wanted to talk very briefly about the Asbury revival that everyone's chatting about seems to be um, just an interesting discussion going on around that. But uh, I wanted to start with the He Gets Us campaign during the Super Bowl. I've seen these ads before. I believe they had a couple of commercials during the Super Bowl. I watched the Super Bowl, which I don't always do. I watched it with my family this year, and I saw the ads. And I had a feeling there would be a very strong response to them, um, just because, frankly, honestly, I thought the message, especially of the second one, was really good. (laughs) I thought, oh, there's no way this is going to get left alone. Um, both believers on the left and the right are going to have problems. And then, of course, there's going to be issues from the non-believers out there. I mean, this is just going to cause a stink. And surely it actually has. I've seen so many people post very negatively about the ads for all sorts of reasons. And so I want to have a discussion with you all about this real quick, because here's what I know we're really good at in the church. And I bet y'all saw the title of this podcast and thought I was going to come out with a slamming critique on the commercials and a slamming critique on the organization behind them. And so you guys are going to be a little surprised today. I am actually going to just say when in Christianity, I mean, we've always been good at it, but when did we get so unbelievably good at being unbelievably judgmental of each other based on non-doctrinal issues? When did we decide that we could judge each other's intentions? We could judge each other's actions and spending money to spread the gospel. When did when did we decide public infighting on something as generic as the campaign this organization put out was a good idea? I just... I've I've never seen more vitriol over something so unimportant and frankly, probably something that did a lot of good or at least made people think. So if you're unaware of the campaign, I'm just going to talk about the second commercial that I saw because it's the one I remember. Basically... This commercial had a bunch of people fighting with each other, like images in black and white uh, with music of people yelling at one another and obviously being angry with each other and fighting with each other in lots of different contexts. There was a police officer and a man. There's people in a restaurant. There's a lady up in a man's face. There's all sorts of um, places where people are in physical conflict and verbal conflict. And the campaign, the the words that scroll across the bottom towards the end are, Jesus loved basically the, the people we hate. Ooh, a convicting message for us to remind us that, and I've talked about this recently, I have noticed we are more willing to throw each other into hell than God even is. We're going to talk about hell in the coming weeks and what it really means and the unbelievable mercy of our God and just how he served even his enemies and how he tells the story of 
you know, the Samaritan who was an enemy to the Jews, you know, they really thought their doctrine was wrong. And frankly, you know, our pastor just talked about this. The Samaritan doctrine was wrong. They had some stuff really wrong. But when Jesus told the story of a man who'd been beat up and was left on the side of the road. The Jews were the ones that ignored the beat up man, but it was the Samaritan that did the right thing, despite the differences of doctrine or the possible hatred. And he is the one that Jesus calls the good neighbor. So we've got a good Samaritan story going on in this commercial. And I... You know, I wake up the next day and people are slamming the organization as if they know the intention. So we have AOC commenting on this. And I don't know if you care about what AOC thinks. I'm not sure I do. But we had so many people commenting on this and I wanted to bring this to your attention. She says, Jesus would not fund commercials to make fascism look benign. Uh, it talks about how the He Gets Us campaign reportedly spent $20 million on two Super Bowl advertisements. That's a lot of money. People are frustrated. I had friends post um how upset they were because the money could have been spent better. So here, in my opinion, let's take each issue that I thought was most important about the commercial head on. We have a lot of judgment about the organization itself and their theology. I am not going to get into that today. Why? You're going to ask me why. What if, you know, what if it was a Mormon that put it out? What if it was a someone with horrible theology, you know, that put this out? What if it's a Roman Catholic that put this out? Okay. Uh, well, number one, I'm used to disagreeing with almost everyone's theology, so I'm, I'm not uncomfortable in that space. You know, do you believe that Jesus is Lord and that the Bible is true? Okay, let's start there. We we have a good amount in common if we get to that point. So I'm not uncomfortable in being in the same space with or on the same team as people who I disagree with. I vehemently disagree with a lot of church doctrine, most American church doctrine that is taught right now, because I don't believe they teach the whole Bible. Well, that makes me really different than everybody else. So I I don't care that much that their doctrine was incorrect because we're going to talk about this a little bit more with what the Bible has to say about this, but because I don't think that the message in the commercial was theologically wrong. I think it was right. I think the timing was good. Think about the last couple years of COVID and lockdowns and the vitriol and the hatred and the BLM and the violence and, you know, the people in the streets and the anger towards our neighbor instead of directing our anger towards those who actually have earned the wrath of the people. We have directed our anger towards each other. And we we literally are more controllable when we do this, when we fight with each other like the elites and those in power want us to, and by the way, how Satan wants us to as well, when we do that, we are playing into the hands of the people that want to manipulate and control culture. And we should not be, believers should not be in that position that is not the right space for us. That's not how Jesus did things. I had a guy on Facebook talk about Jesus turning over the tables and how we should be angry, you know, about the misuse of money. Boy, I feel like you just have to unpack about a thousand things in that. Number one, and I've said this before, I say it in my book, Jesus turned over tables in his own father's house where people were buying and selling and money changing and devaluing his own father's home, the temple, his dad's house. If you had somebody coming into your house trying to use it as a business and defiling the space, you would turn over the tables and you kick them out. That's the right you have. It's your 
property. That's not really, that's nothing to do with these commercials. And it actually doesn't even have anything to do with the misuse of money. We know churches get money and they misuse it. Their pastors buy, you know, tens of millions of dollars in homes and cars. And, you know, they're blinging out to the with the latest bling. And we just saw that with, you know, the Hillsong documentary. You got these people who look super cool and uber wealthy and they're the, they're the coolest. And, you know, is that the best use of church money? Well, I think most of us aren't really a huge fan of that. But then you, you have another side of the coin. So let's let's dig into the couple of issues that I think came up that are valuable to at least address. Um, the first one being, you know, this last weekend, um, the first one being judgmentalism and infighting, public infighting um, among believers about non-doctrinal, non non-issue issues. Uh, I just want to state, I write, wrote an entire book critiquing the institution of the Western church, not individuals. I, I, I bring up very few individuals in my book because the point isn't about the, the individuals. The point is about institutionalized doctrines. And I very heavily blame the history of the Roman Catholic church. And I tell you that history so you can understand why. Um, but I'm judgmental of doctrine. I have no problem with that. We should be like the Bereans testing doctrines against the scripture and having good discussions about it that are healthy. But here, what we have are people judgment, judging a specific group of people and organization based on perceived intentions, um, that their, their perceived intentions are wrong. I want to address judgmentalism among believers, um, you know, this last weekend, my son had a previous peer from a previous school that he went to take his own life. And it shocked us. And we were all absolutely heartbroken and in prayer and in groups of prayer with other people over that school and over the family that was affected. Um, you know, it's it's heartbreaking what we have going on as a culture. Where I live in Colorado, we are the number one place for suicides for teenagers we have a disconnected, devalued culture where we devalue human beings, their purpose, their life, who they are, and where we treat each other like garbage. I mean, we in our society just treat each other like crap. Whether it's on the roads, you know, and road rage and the way we treat each other and how we drive to how we treat each other in a restaurant. I am telling you, we have completely degraded the human being. And that was bound to happen when you get more atheistic as a culture, more secular as a culture, you're going to worship something. People start to worship themselves and they start to look down on other people. And Christians are doing this. And they really exemplified this with this whole commercial debacle here. Um, when I think about a young man who took his life, who didn't know the value of his life and maybe had been in too much conflict in his life, and I think about the impact of that commercial. If that commercial inspired people to go out and to restore relationship and to try again and to actually show that they care about other people and to stop hating others and to begin to know what it means to bite your tongue, to sacrifice yourself and to love on other people. I'm sorry, every penny was worth it. There are people who want to kill themselves in this culture. There are people who hate their own lives because nobody loves on them and they go out into the world and because they're probably difficult to love they get treated even worse even by believers that is a fact that has been taking place we have been doing that for the last two years you can't tell me and i want to get into this too 
Don't tell me that you know that that money wasn't spent well. You don't know. You have no idea what God told those people to do and why. If you think that it's expensive to preach the gospel, it's too expensive, then don't send missionaries out. Don't put it up on billboards. Don't fund it through your church. If it costs too much money to spread the gospel, then only feed the poor and never teach them a word of God's word. If that's your belief system, I can't believe people came out and said it costs too much money. Those ads could have been spent better. You don't know. Number one. And number two, let's go to the Bible on this one. Can we? Okay. So let's say their intentions are wrong. Let's say that they have the worst of intentions and they're just trying to get people to their website and they're just trying to make money. Let's go to the scripture on this. Um, And I want to find it exactly. I know I have it here. So Philippians 1, 15 through 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now listen, I don't know. What this this is Paul writing. I don't know what he gets us means. Maybe it means terrible things theologically. Maybe they should have preached more Christ. Maybe it wasn't good enough. But was there truth? What did the truth go out in that commercial that we need to rethink who we are in light of who Jesus is? Yeah, yeah. I don't care about the motives. That's what Paul said. The motives don't matter as long as the truth is preached, as long as it's true, as long as it's right, as long as it's righteous, as long as it's going to lead you into godly behavior. That's what matters. There's the Bible for you on that issue. So you can judge their intentions all you want. Maybe they make a billion dollars on that. Does it matter if the truth was preached? According to Paul, maybe not. I want to go to another Bible verse here. Um, Well, I'm not going to have time to get to everything I want to if I keep going down this road. I just want to talk about the money issue here. Um, Let's talk about how much Solomon spent on the temple when it was built. I mean, you could have called that the most gigantic waste of money in all of history. Remember, Solomon became the wealthiest man that had ever existed, possibly still to this day the wealthiest man that ever existed. And he, gold and silver and marble and Every fine thing went into that temple building. It was the most beautiful building. People said if you hadn't seen it, you hadn't seen anything that is great in the world. It was so incredible. Such an incredible building. Was that a waste of money? The people that funded Yeshua's campaign because he had wealthy backers that funded the campaign to spread the gospel of Christ, to spread the message of Christ. Do you think it was cheap to get on ships for Paul and the disciples and for them to just travel all around? Do you think that cost nothing? And I know Paul funded his own campaign, but a lot of the disciples and Jesus had other backers. Was that money worth spending? What if they didn't feed the poor everywhere they went? What if there weren't enough healings? What if what if what if the best way to spread the gospel right now is through a Super Bowl commercial? Is it worth the money? Is the message worth the money? We print Bibles, isn't that just giving people the word of God? And it costs money. Is the message worth the money or are you only supposed to spend all your money feeding the poor? 
Is that all you're supposed to do? Or are you to go and make disciples, teaching them all that Yeshua commanded? That's the Great Commission. You forget the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Was that commercial asking believers to start acting in obedience once again to the message of Christ, which is number one, love God and love others? Is that worth the money? Christians, why are you coming against your brothers and sisters who have spent a fortune to share a good message after a very chaotic time period? What's the problem? Is the problem them or is the problem you? I want to talk about a second issue with this that I have. The issue of a politicized faith. I believe that a lot of the critique that's coming against the commercial is from people who are very left-wing in their political ideology, but also it's coming from some right-wingers too. So we got to talk about politicizing your faith, okay? Um, The people who think that the money should only be spent on feeding the poor that it's just too, it's too much. Uh, Again, hey, let's talk about another Bible story here. Remember the woman who came in and she poured perfume all over Jesus? And (laughs) you had Judas like, wow, what a waste of money. He was probably wanting to pocket some of the money that they could have made off the perfume. We could have sold this and we could have done something with it that was better. And Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. She, She understands. She understands the wealth of who I am. She understands. Okay. We shouldn't be judging how people spend their money to spread the gospel if the gospel is spread, if the truth is spread. Stop stop judging how they're spending their money. Maybe encourage others. Hey, you were inspired by that? Go feed the poor. That's on you. That's on. That's your call. But what I noticed is a lot of people who are worried so much about the money aspect seem to have a little more of a social gospel, socialist kind of view of their political ideology that, you know— and and I had a guy bring up uh, basically the problem with the the church is its monetary ties to capitalism, or that Jesus turned. No, he said Jesus turned over the tables because it, the the money changers were tied to capitalist activity. Huh. <laughs> I didn't realize in a socialist or communist economy, there weren't sales of goods. I don't think that was the problem that Jesus had. It wasn't the form of economy that they were enacting. Jesus didn't have a problem with them going out and selling their goods outside the temple. He had a problem with where they were doing it and what their intention was in his dad's house. We need to get this right. But I, I, I'm very frustrated by the those who come at, came out against this group because they're leftist and the group is actually tied to anti-abortion um, ideology. Now, if you're a leftist or a liberal, that's not your cup of tea. You're not going to like this organization or the message that they put out, and you're not going to like that they spent a gob of money on it. You're not going to like that because you don't like capitalism. We got to untie our faith from from our politics now, it doesn't mean that you can't be political. You know, I had a whole political series on here. I think politics and faith have lots of interest. They have lots of places where they intersect. But if you are going out to judge your brother's theology based on a political stance instead of based on the Bible, you're going to run into these sorts of ridiculous discussions and problems. Not only that, but you're misinterpreting scripture. That that idea about Jesus turning the, over the tables, being tied to capitalism is the problem. That is a ridiculous interpretation of scripture. The only 
political form of pol- political um, and economic uh, systems that the Bible is for, that the Bible actually says, I, w- this is what I wanted, is theocracy. And by the way, when Yeshua returns, it will be a theocracy. He will be reigning from Jerusalem based on the Bible, based on biblical principles. If you don't like it, then he's not your guy, because that is what our future is. So we cannot... <laughs> I just, listen, I'm upset a little bit by the response from Christians because I'm like, man, the truth was went out, the timing was good, and somebody thought that that message was worth the money. And who are you to say that it wasn't? I was a little bit inspired and reminded. I have been hammered lately with the concept of mercy, God's mercy, his love for us. And we treat each other like garbage. And he died for those people that you treat like garbage? Do you think he enjoys watching us publicly infighting about a message that is meant to inspire mercy and grace for each other? What a ridiculous, I'm sorry guys, ridiculous response. Cut it short, cut it off. If you if you were out there and you were frustrated by this commercial and this was not your boat, okay. But to publicly fight with your other brothers and sisters in Christ about it is not the right response. Sit down. Go to the word. Go to places like seven. Go, go, go to Philippians like I did with Paul, where he says, I don't care what their motive was and I don't care what they do with it after this. I care that the message got out and stop with the money thing. If you think the message of God is worth more than $20 million, then just don't worry about the 20 million. God's got the money covered, doesn't he? Isn't God abundant? Can't he help us feed? Listen, there we have more than enough food to feed the poor. The The money is not the problem of feeding the poor. You know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. Corrupt government, corrupt government systems, and people unwilling to do the work. It has nothing to do with money. There is more than enough food and money to feed the poor. We just don't go out and do it very well. And if you find yourself in a situation jealous of place, listen, I'm not a huge fan. You know this. I critique the Roman Catholic Church. I really do. They build beautiful, beautiful buildings that are meant to, the point supposedly is, to honor the Lord. The point is supposedly to inspire people to the greatness of God and to have at least one place in every town where you can go and and be in an environment that psychologically assists you in thinking about who God is. Environment matters. We just had this conversation at a staff meeting. You know, a lot of people don't think environment matters to thinking. That's not true. Psychological study after psychological studies show that the environment you are in actually makes a huge difference to your thinking and the chaos of your mind. Children that are in nicer schools, they perform better on tests. Environment matters. God cared about his temple. He doesn't want you to build a piece of crap to him. You know, if that's your goal, I'm just going to build the stupidest building possible. It's all about the people. I'm not sure that's right. Why can't we be inspired by the creativity of God in all that we do, in the buildings we build, in the music we make, in the art we create, and in the commercials that we promote? Is God worth it? Do we love on God? Have we forgotten our first love? Remember, there are two calls, to love God and to love others. We're supposed to be the bride of Christ. 
Do we focus so much on others that we forget in totality our relationship with the Lord and how much he matters, who he is? Aren't we supposed to do all of this because of our relationship with the Lord? If we aren't willing to love on God and try to honor him first, all the work that we do for others, it will be counted, but it won't be as powerful. We need both. I thought that commercial was a wonderful representation of the mercy and grace and love of Christ. And it was a challenge to all of us to stop fighting with each other and to start caring for each other. That should have inspired more than $20 million worth of work. And I hope that it did. I hope that instead of fighting with other people about that, you just go, you know what? It's a good message. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go spend some money on other people this week. In fact, I'm going to I'm going to designate some cash. I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to surprise some people this week with some help. That's kind of what I decided to do um, alongside this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, there are so many other issues that we could address. You know, I saw one critique where the lady was like, it could have been a different message. It could have been a better message. It could have been more the fullness of Christ. Yeah, you're right. It could have been. Of course it could have been. Those commercials are real expensive, though, and you've only got a short amount of time. They felt called to make it their point that we need to love each other the way that Christ loves. Okay, fine. It's a great point. You know, maybe we could have made some other points, but hey, you've got how much money is being spent on making The Chosen right now? Have you got come out and critiqued them for the money they're spending on it? No? Not yet? Why not? I'm just curious. I'm curious about it. Anyways, okay. I would like to also address one more big story this week in Christian communities, and that is this revival that is supposedly happening in Asbury. Um, I've watched some videos of people who have gone to it. I have, you know, I... I just want to say this. Okay, I grew up going to a charismatic school, and I saw what looked like a revival happen almost every week. When uh, kids were supposed to be going to class, you know, they would make revival happen during our chapels and we would have three hours in chapel instead of being in class. But no lives were changed. There was no long lasting impact of that. Um, I do have some good memories of some worship times where my heart truly was touched because I was open to the Holy Spirit. But could I call it revival? I I could never call it revival. And if you ask the teachers of my class in particular, which was often involved in it, whether or not there was actual spiritual revival that took place in our class, I bet you they're all going to say no, (laughs) because nothing changed in the hearts of the people after they left the session. So I, I have no judgment on what's happening in Asbury. But as someone who grew up with charismatic kind of being surrounded by charismatic kind of situations happening. I have come up with some tests just to make sure that the Holy Spirit is at work and that you understand what exactly is taking place. I hope it's revival because I know we've all been praying for revival in this country. And I've been asking God for that grace to turn the hearts of the people back to him, that we might receive some mercy and grace because we as a nation are going to desperately need that. May the people of God be constantly inspired to revive and repent and inspire others to do so. May the Holy Spirit pour out that way. I want it. So I want it to be real. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want charlatans to be able to come in and use it. Uh, I've, I've seen a charlatan recently come in and use these sorts of activities to manipulate other people. And it caused so much division. And that is a possibility with stuff like this. So we need to go to scripture and test what's happening. Number one, I think revival always has to include repentance. 
People have to change. Repentance isn't about being sorry. Repentance is about change. Does this change the lives of the people? Is there a lasting impact in that change? Are people going out and renewing their daily life activity to the Lord? I've had personal revival that happened slowly but surely in my life over the last 10 years. So much about my behaviors have changed because God has revived my spirit. He's made me alive again. And I, and I want to do more. You know, I'm always wanting to do more. So is that spirit there? Number two, we have to go to 2 Timothy verses one or chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. One aspect that often happens in a charismatic-type revival service is a lack of self-discipline. You hear about these people who are laughing all the time, and they can't stop laughing, and they're gyrating on the floor, and they can't stop, and people fall over, and they lose control of their body, and they lose control of their limbs, or they lose control of their tongues. I think according to this verse, the spirit of God that was poured out in Acts and and on the early church, one aspect of it was self-discipline, self-control. It's also called soundness of mind. You, anytime that you think the Holy Spirit is making you lose control of your body, I'm going to come back and say, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually gives you more control over your body, right? The Holy Spirit wants to come and make you a master over the flesh, not completely beholden to the flesh or any other power except for the Lord's. And there's always a purpose and an intent. Speaking of tongues always had a purpose and an intention in scripture. It should still to this day continue to have a purpose and an intention. We can debate that particular issue later and what that means, but there's always purpose and intention. It's never just because it looks like fun or it's a good time. There's always something personal or if it's communal, there's a communal message that all can gain from. Okay. Self-discipline is a sign of the Holy Spirit if there is not self-discipline. Now I've heard that there is at this particular church where this is taking place. I've heard from the people who've attended that it doesn't seem out of control. It doesn't seem insincere. It doesn't seem like a show. It's not wild. Um, And so that's good news about what might be taking place there. And I hope, again, I hope that it's the case. So um, that those, you know, repentance and discipline um, is, is that what's happening? Are we seeing a real revival? May it be, right? May it be. We need a response to the darkness that continues to make itself evident. You know, I, I was recently talking to some family members and we're talking about how Satanism has been one of the largest rising religions in America right now. And we're actually seeing it being flaunted left and right, right? All, all over the place. You're seeing it being flaunted. And, um, it, it, we are having a time period where people people are starting to willingly state, yeah, you know, uh, we are made to worship. Yep, there are other dimensional beings. There are other things that exist. Now we have to choose from those. I think atheism might, um, you know, still seems to be, there's a secularism that seems to be on the rise, but it is slowly turning into through, I don't know, yogi behavior and through spiritualism and all of that. It's turning into some other things. And we are really seeing a return of many of the gods that we see listed in the Old Testament and behavior towards those gods. Um, Whether people know they're doing it or not, they really are worshiping those gods due to all of the ancient behaviors that still have lasted to this day. I talk about this in one of my podcasts recently. You can go back and find it. 
You can also read Jonathan Kahn's book, which I think is an excellent take on the return of these gods to American culture because we opened the door to them. But there is a really spiritual aspect going on in the United States right now. And, you know, if you haven't been seeing that and recognizing it, just note, I think we're going to see more of it and it's not all going to be God and it's not all going to be godly. Um, We are going to see a lot of other gods continually be introduced and continually be worshipped. Plain old-fashioned Satanism on the rise right now. That should shock nobody given where the culture is. But this is also why we need to be very careful to biblically test the spirit of everything we're seeing. Just because it happens in a church doesn't mean that it's from the Lord God Almighty Adonai. Just because it comes from the pulpit doesn't mean that it's his message. And just because it doesn't come from your preferred church doesn't mean that it isn't from Adonai. Like the commercial, maybe it didn't come from your preferred organization, but the message might be good. It might be right. It might be righteous. It might be what we need to hear right now. Again, with both of these, with both the commercial and with um, the revivals taking place um, or the so-called revivals taking place a lot in the South right now. I just want to say this. I have no complete judgment on them. And I don't know the people involved. I can't judge them. I can't judge their souls. I can't judge their positions. I can't judge their theology. I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to have us really analyze and think about what we're doing when we go out in culture and talk about these things or how we analyze them when we go back and hopefully use the word of God as the standard to say what is what is good, what is right, what is just, and what isn't. Um, and I think hopefully your first take, I know this isn't me, right? Like, come on, Rach, you, you're always the one who's critiquing the church. You're always the one who's coming out and being judgmental uh, about what they say. Well, no, I want to judge doctrines. You know what I really want to do with people? I want to love on them right now. I want them to know how good God is so that they want to discover right and righteous understanding of scripture. I don't want to be, I I cannot condemn anyone to hell and I don't want to pretend like I could. And I don't want to be coming after other people who are attempting to do good in the name of the Lord and try to tear that down or take that down. And so what's interesting about these two topics is I have one topic where I'm saying Christians stop being so judgmental. I have another topic where I'm saying, hey, Christians, be, be careful with this, right? You have to be able to do both well, both of them. We need to care for each other better. I just, I'm just convinced of it right now more than ever. We need to be that Acts church that takes care of each other, that takes care of every single need, that loves on each other, that spreads the truth of the gospel in a right and righteous way. You know, you cannot just be hearers of the word and have good theology and then not do anything with it. Your life better look like someone who is generous and kind and loving and open and and giving and sharing and honest and sincere. Your life needs to reflect the doctrine that you've been learning. And so that's where my heart is right now. I hope you've understood that through this podcast. (laughs) You might have a take that's really good, that's really foundationally, biblically based, that's a critique of my view of these things right now. Email me. I will talk about it and I will will actually put in the next podcast whatever you write to me. So write it. Um, I I will talk about it because we should be able to have these discussions well 
and um, uh, pardon my frustration with all of the critiquing of the Super Bowl commercials. Perhaps, perhaps I shouldn't be as frustrated. Perhaps I should be um, a little more open to those things. I just thought it was a waste of time to go out and take down those commercials. But maybe you have a different take. I'd love to hear it email me. Uh, I hope you all are doing well. Thanks for listening to this extra podcast this week. I will be back here in the next few days with the next in my proofs series, and we'll be back next week with a Bible study. All right, till next time.